Welcome back. So we are going to resume our episode focusing on ethics. So this is going to be part two of that episode. Uh, this is Timothy Crumley, and I'm here with Carlos Merced and Emma Cranston. And we are very excited to get back into this topic. Uh, but first, just a little bit about our practice. So Common Sense Mental Health is a, it's, it's basically the overhead for a group of private providers, uh, licensed mental health counselors, social workers, uh, and we operate within our own practices and we provide uh, teletherapy throughout New York State. We also provide in-person therapy as well within the Capital Region. And all of our providers are competent in teletherapy. Uh, we specialize in video, phone, as well as text-based services. And some of our providers have their own practice that work with Common Sense and in those practices, they may be overseeing uh, interns or um, sort of pre-licensed providers who are under limited permits uh, or something along those lines. Uh, but that is Common Sense Mental Health in a nutshell. Um, any questions, you're always welcome to reach out and ask, and we will be happy to answer. All right, so let's let's get started. So um, I know both. Uh, so right now I have Emma like leaning into the screen. I got I got Carlos like all antsy. You both have notes, I think, and some things we want to follow up on. Um, I think I do too. But uh, I really enjoyed our conversation uh, before. I was going to say last week, but we actually recorded it anyway. Um, I, I enjoyed our first part of this conversation, uh, and also I think we've all had some pretty long days leading into this particular episode. So if we seem a little out of it or kind of scattered, that's that's probably why. Yeah, not more out of it than when we usually record our podcast at like seven o'clock in the morning. So okay, well we're that's no plus. <laughs> Okay, well, we're no longer recording in the morning. <laughs> yes, I'm, so I'm letting people know, like, it's not going to be as bad as I'm, you know. Yeah, more out of it in the morning. I liked the idea of getting up in the morning and starting, you know, like it just it hey, seems. I'm a morning person. I get it. Right. Well, see, that, that, that's what's interesting is that okay. Total. Tim side is a wannabe morning person. <laughs> yeah. Total. Total side tangent, but that that's correct. I'm. I'm. I really want to be a morning person. I love the idea of being a morning person, but I'm not a morning person. So, yeah, I I, res I respect you, Emma, for actually being a morning person. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Morning to the best. <laughs> Come to the dark side. Well, the light died. I'm <laughs> trying. I'm trying, but I just I feel awful every time I try to do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, that said, um, so yeah, so to dive back in, I guess do either of you want to kick us off? Um, sure. I think yeah. Emma had one, but I had two. I think, um, and I guess we can start with when you're in a session with the client and or maybe if you're in a session with like a couple or, or like a family or something and everyone's yelling at each other or, or the client's yelling at you like how do you ethically respond to that like mm. do you become assertive and yell back or do you kind of like try to de-escalate the situation like mm. what do you guys do mm. I know in the past when I've, I, generally if it's like a family session in particular, I've already done some boundary setting um, around like, hey, if we start, like I'll generally have boundary setting around like letting one person talk at a time. I will also totally normalize that like there is the potential that that won't be maintained and if that were to happen, I'm going to jump in. Um, if I'm doing like repeated family sessions where it's an issue, I generally will actually like work out a behavioral thing, whether it's like me raising my arm up in the air or something, something like very noticeable where then people know like, oh, gotta, gotta bring it back down. Uh, 
I will generally not be yelling at a client. I may cut in with like, hey, 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 like, hold on. Mm. We're all escalated. We said we were going to talk one at a time. Let's just, let's bring it down a second and just take a couple breaths or, you know, whatever. Um, there have absolutely been times like at my previous job where I have had to yell to be heard, mm. which is different than yelling at a client. Mm. And it was also at a residential program, uh, where it was more like a physical altercation was about to be breaking out, where it's more like, hey, I need to be heard so I can have attention on me so I can de-escalate more, um, which I think is kind of separate than what you're bringing up. Um, but yeah, like yelling at a client is one of the no-nos in my book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, that does fit. I guess that that's better reframes my question, I guess, is like, is there situations where you need to not yell like at the client, but like yell at the client? <laughs> if you know, like not yell at them like aggressively, but yell at them to be heard, like what you said. Yeah, there yeah, there have absolutely been times where I've had to raise my voice. Right. Um and that's I mean, even not in family sessions. I can think back to a couple times where I've had a client who's yelling at me like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like very escalated right. um, where me saying like hey can I just have you like sit down can I have you lower your voice like it's just not even heard mm-hmm. um, but if there's ever a time where I have to like raise my voice I have to be super duper conscientious of everything else I'm giving off like mm-hmm. if I'm standing up while raising my voice I am now threatening right if right. I'm like staying seated like my hands are down like my you know just like everything else kind of communicating that like hey we're safe and I'm just trying to be heard like that to me is is different mm-hmm. so like raising my voice yes it mm-hmm. will happen if I can't be heard otherwise right. and I mean like heard by volume not right. like oh you're not going to listen to me unless I yell at you right. if that makes sense mm-hmm. it does yeah. it cool. does yeah I and just to jump in with that I I yeah that makes a lot of sense I'm, I would say I'm very similar in that where mm-hmm. I've yeah I've had to raise it's interesting too because like in person I feel like I've had to actually do it more in tele than I have <laughs> well, a couple of things I've had to do it more over tele and I've actually had a, a, a very close colleague speak to this as well I have had to do it over tele and if I'm working with a couple over tele which has its own dynamics um or it can I've had to do okay. that and essentially what you just described I'm aware I'm having to like sort of raise my voice like all right we need to and usually they're bickering with each other usually it's not necessarily yeah. directed at right. me but that I I'm thinking back even in private practice I'm, I'm sure there's been at least an occasion or, or, or a couple where you know the client was not happy with you know whatever that was and I think what I try to do is to the best of my ability is remove sort of my my own personal internal reaction to that in that moment I'll have yeah. it I, and well this is what's important right I'll have it and I'll have it later and mm-hmm. I will find colleagues and I'll have it with them and that's very important to still do that but mm-hmm. I try not to let that into the space because ultimately what is happening in that space is probably related to whatever we're doing clinically right or I mean the client could also have really good important feedback and they are really upset and I really messed up in some way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and if either of those pieces are the case and like you said Emma I don't want to be coming back and you know yelling back at them or standing yeah. up and being threatening or anything like that um at the end of the day though I mean if if, if some, it's just not productive for whatever reason or again I think of couples a lot um if it's not productive and it keeps just going back to the 
same you know kind of fight uh i'll get to a point where i'll say you know what maybe we just need to end today's session yeah. we need to you know well and what i'll try to do before that is again if if kind of trying to jump in doesn't work and trying to kind of look at the here and now and what's happening in the here and now doesn't work i'll try to meet with maybe one of them and maybe switch off and uh-huh. again if that doesn't help and i will have them leave and it would be the same one-on-one you know that if it continued to kind of go back despite you know trying different things with that eventually you know i would i would end the session um and yeah and i mean worst worst case if there's a client that's really you know going off on you about something and there's some issue and you don't feel safe i mean i'm always one you know then you call the police it's not you know just because you're the therapist doesn't mean that your safety comes second you know yeah. that you got to keep yourself safe as well mm-hmm. um absolutely you know and I, I i know i've never had to do that thankfully but i know of colleagues who've had to do that so that's mm-hmm. you know so yeah it's a good question though it's like how do you and it's hard because you are having to manage your own reaction to it in that moment and in that moment you may want to tell the client you know what like but that's not you know but that can even be powerful i know i've had experiences with clients where we have a hugely strong rapport um, particularly in my previous job, where they would be having that reaction. And I completely agree with you. Like, you got to manage your own reaction in the moment. Mm-hmm. But there have been times with clients where I have a strong rapport, where perhaps in the next session I'll say, okay, I want to tell you a little bit about how I wanted to react. Oh, because yeah. I imagine how this can play out for the people you feel closest to. Like, when yeah. we have already verbalized and established that we have a trusting relationship, yes. then I'll kind of use the relationship as a tool to say, like, you know what? Even though we have a good relationship... I kind of wanted to yell back at you. Like I was feeling offended and then it can kind of lead to like, you know, I wonder if this is how your mom feels or if it's how your partner feels at times. Like I wonder how that could have gone better for us as a method of practicing how it could go better for the other people in your life. Mm-hmm. So I think that like the counselor reactions can also be used as a tool, but sorry, because that in itself is a yeah. self-disclosure, yeah. right? Like it still has to be, super duper thought out there's a reason i'm not going to do it right after the person de-escalates it will right if it even happens it's the session later so that i have time to sit with it and weigh pros and cons and like Mm. get supervision or consult with somebody like use there i can count on one hand i think i've done it three times yeah yeah in five years kind of a thing so it's definitely something to that can be quite impactful but also used sparingly. It's interesting. I have a story to go with this. I mean, first off, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that's a great intervention in a way to like, yeah, because I think for the client in the right circumstances, and I, I think you nailed it with the whole rapport piece as well. It's mm-hmm. like if you if you know that client well and you trust each other, I could see where that could absolutely have a place. I know there was one point, I think I've done that maybe a few times, and usually it's been... I think you actually were the one who supervised me on it at one point. Mm-hmm. And I may have, because... Um, I do. I also recall separately. I remember one instance where I was working with someone, and I did that. And I and I and I did. I, I waited. I don't even know if it was the next session. It may have been several sessions later. But I came back to this thing, and I shared what my reaction was, and I was relating it back to how you know this person's family may feel. And it seemed to not only did it make sense to the client, or, or they reported it made sense, but it 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 just it, it seemed to work well at that time. Fast forward, and then there were other family dynamics, other issues that came up, and. Uh, I forgot how it came up again, but he referred back to it. This client referred back to it um, and basically framed it as, I remember that time that you told me that you had that reaction and it had to do with, it basically like he heard it as my clinical issue. And I was sitting there oh, for one, I, for one, I was completely mortified. Two, I was like, oh, that was not my point in sharing that with you. Like, yes, 
I have my own reaction to that. That's not why I shared that. And I thought I made that clear. I, looking back on it, I may very well not have. You know, maybe I thought I did and I didn't. Um, well, maybe you did. It's just the client processing it in their own way. Totally. They could have interpreted it. You know, right. like, there's lots of different things that could have happened. And it may, you know, so I'm not like blaming the client or myself in that. But I, I was mortified. I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. you did not. And I, I don't, I think I tried to like rectify it or correct it in that moment. Um and yeah, you know, but yeah, anyway, so like, oh, I, just want, I just wanted to share that because like, but that's the risk though. And I think you're right. Like that's, exactly. that speaks to the risk that you were talking about of like, you know, that could go in different directions and depending on how the client interprets things and what they may be hearing and how, you know, are, are you in a position where you can communicate that effectively? There's all these different exactly. things exactly. to that. Yeah. And, and what are your boundaries with it? Like, are you maintaining nice firm boundaries prior to that and after that like right, right. let's not have it turn into like oh well now we have a personal connection and understanding to a deeper level than before like mm. no it's still the same yeah. exact boundaries but just like hey here's an impact it had i wonder if that's happening elsewhere yeah exactly yep yeah that makes sense boundaries yeah yeah it comes back to boundaries <laughs> My face. especially with ethics it's yeah. yeah oh yeah 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 i've yeah. got a couple segues on that same topic go for it i, fe- um, I felt like you did yeah I, yeah mm-hmm. um I, I can't remember the second one but i'll start with the first one and while you guys are talking about it i'll probably think about the second one um the first one is speaking of couples um is it ethical for the same provider to be the ther- the the designated therapist for each person in a relationship or should it be like okay tim you're gonna be the therapist for the girlfriend and emma you'll be the therapist for the boyfriend or is it just okay tim you'll see both clients so separately yeah yeah no totally so um this, this is a very good question and mm-hmm. i have thoughts before i jump in with that emma do you have additional mm-hmm. anything you want to jump in with? it is not something i would do mm. um i honestly i don't even i know it's not unethical to do it but it's a an area that makes me uncomfortable the idea of being a personal therapist for a person and then also engaging as the couples therapist for the couple um I know it's not explicitly unethical. I know that there are, you know, like the counselor has to be able to be unbiased. Mm-hmm. I think that's just an area where I worry about my own almost like subconscious biases. If I've been working with one client mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. goals, I, like I'm automatically going to kind of know more. And I just feel like it brings a whole extra layer of dynamics into the room if the partner also knows that like oh there's emma she is my partner's individual client and she's our couple's therapist mm-hmm. um yep. i like that's just an area that i step back from either i am the couple's therapist or i am the individual therapist for one of those people mm-hmm. uh, and i know i i don't want to be both because although i would love to think that i will never get confused or never you know disclose something that I actually heard from the other partner Mm. I am not comfortable 
taking that risk. Like, I feel like the potential for harm is too great, and it can almost be seen as, like, my own uh, bravado or overconfidence Mm. as, like, my downfall, in a sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? That was just so dramatic-sounding, like, Batman is about to take over, but... (laughs) No, No, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. So, I have a very layered answer to this okay. if you guys are ready for that because sure. um, uh-huh. I have some experience with this I think as, as you know Emma um, uh-huh. so um, a couple of things I'm going to sh- I, I want to share what I was presented with or, or taught so to speak right and then you know another piece to this is you know what I what I try to do now what I try to do in, in, our, in our current practice so um, it has been presented to me just like that by particular supervisors that nope you just never do that that's just not you know and I have colleagues who I've seen again follow that I have other colleagues who will see multiple people based on the situation based on and I'll come back to that in a minute so I, I've seen both um, and I remember I actually I've had a supervisor in my past that was very keen on and not not even just um, you know in, in certain situations but like every situation like it was like if I had a, like this is this is how bad it got. Like if I had a case and I, and I really wanted to refer one of the people in the family or in a couple to someone else, and I had 18 reasons to do that, I knew that when I stepped into this person's office, that they were going to give me all the reasons why I should see both of them or see all of them mm. and went the same way every time. And my lack of assertiveness, you know, I would go with that. Uh, or in the moment, I would I would see their point because they would make, you know, and, and again, there are points to us. So I'll get to that. But the problem was doing it blindly in every case because of the potential pros of that. There are cases where it really is not a good idea. And for all the reasons I think you just said, you know, it's like, and especially where there, I mean, I just, again, I think it depends, but there can really be conflicts of interest in doing this. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, yeah. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and, and I definitely, I I don't agree with how she was doing that. That said, you know, I think there have been cases too, uh, where, and again, families and couples that I've ended up working with, where I was seeing more than one and I did see the benefit. And this is the point that my former supervisor would have made that when you're the one seeing both people, you really have a good idea in terms of what's happening, right? You're not, it's not being translated through another provider. It's not, you're not having to you know, be in contact or following up with someone else. It's just you. And there is something to be said about less cooks in the kitchen kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there are select cases where that could be beneficial, just my opinion. But you have to be very careful with that. And you have to be able to clinically justify that and be able to argue where there's going to be minimal or you're going to be able to minimize the harm or have no harm. And there's gonna be more benefit than harm. You have to be able to make that case. And um, so... Yeah, actually, that was maybe not as complicated as I, thought, as I thought it was. But like, that's that's kind of where I've arrived at it. You know, I haven't gone completely 180. But at the same time, I, I don't expect my colleagues to do it. I don't expect other people in my practice to do it. Um, you know, and I've had cases where um, I've been able to, um, you know, thankfully move away from that where I've been able to refer a partner out to someone else uh, or, you know, and, and it's worked out, you know, like totally, I've been. Yeah. I, but I, I think I've also been fortunate in that because I think there are cases where, you know, it may not have played out that way. And I was I was lucky that I had families and, and clients that just happened to be kind of good fits for that or we were able to do that. I was able to recall, OK, the, you know. Who did I share what with? But the other thing with this too, and this is, I think, the case if you are seeing a family as a family, right? Like as a designated, because there was a difference there, right? Like what you said, Emma, it's like, 
so you can like, see someone as a family and you always see them as a family, not as individuals. Mm-hmm. That's obviously okay. And people, you know, family therapists do that all the time. Um, but a big rule that has helped, and I do this with my clients, is uh, not having secrets in terms of, yeah. so again, whether I am seeing them individually in different ways or whether I'm just seeing them for family therapy or whatever that, or some mixture of it, whatever. Um, that's, that's a big one I say is that do, I, and I'll say it just like this, do not put me in the middle. Do not mm-hmm. share something with me that you cannot share. And what I'll, what I'll share with that is that, you know, so let's say in a one-on-one, someone does share something with me that their partner doesn't know. I'm not going to run and tell that person, but we're going to work on ways for that person to tell that person because I'm not going to hold that. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, that's only going to, you know, we can only do that work for a period of time and they need to be able to, you know, that needs to be out in the open. We can't just, yeah. I can't just hold that. Um, so that's where there definitely can be potential for harm too, is if you're the one holding that information um, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, that's just my view on it, but um, I definitely have been kind of pushed into that situation and that was very uncomfortable as a, and especially as a you know young therapist, which I still consider myself as, but um, even younger at that point, younger, uh, yeah. younger you know, it's like, that's, you know, um, yeah. So I don't yeah. think that makes sense, but yeah. It, uh, no, it totally makes sense. And I, I, to be clear, or to be fair, not clear, uh, to be fair, I can see a much stronger benefit for kind of working with multiple family members when it's like family therapy with children, you know, because mm. I can totally see like if I'm working with a child and then also working with their parent to kind of like yes help the parent learn the skills to best support their child. Like I can see like a, a definite argument that can be made for that. Um, I think the boundary, we're back at boundaries, but <laughs> I think that like the boundaries, like you said, have to be made super duper clear mm-hmm. um, as far like, what does it look like for me to work with multiple people in this family or within this family? I know for me that translates to, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and going back to what you were just saying, Emma, too, in terms of, again, setting boundaries and you're right, it, it does keep coming back to that, but in terms of setting boundaries and, and really having that informed consent, like that is like, yeah, knowing exactly, all right, as a therapist, I need to see X, Y, and Z. And this is what, you know, I need in order for this to work on my end and allowing the clients to weigh in on that as well. And just coming up together with what, you know, what are those parameters? And I think if you have an understanding of that, especially with confidentiality, that's, that's a big one, right? It's like, again, not only am I not going to hold secrets, but you know, what, um, you know, what does it mean if I am having a one-on-one, you know, with one of you and yeah, you know, no one's sharing anything that's, you know, not, you know, that's not known or something, but I'm still not going to go back to the other partner or, or, or go back to the family and report. Like, I'm not going to do that. Either. Right. Like, I'm not going to, you know, um, so yeah. So that said, I think that there are various ways that one can do that, but I, I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. 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 I can see where, um, I can understand where you guys are saying, like, um, there, there shouldn't be secrets. Like if you are mm-hmm. seeing them, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. as, as a client, I would assume they they would be more comfortable if they can tell their provider things that they couldn't necessarily tell their partner. So then, yes, it is. It gives that person um, motivation to get their own provider. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, yeah, if you want to, you know, have those type of discussions with your provider, it needs to be your specific provider. Like you can't yes. be the de- you know the designated client. 
that's a really good point. And, and exactly. And as I, as you're saying that, I don't. Again, in my experience, I don't think I've had someone end up doing that. But I like how you just describe that in terms of like you can even like say that outright to the client and say, listen, like if you want even further separation from this, you can work with someone else. Mm-hmm. Like that's um, again, when I was working for someone else, that wasn't always an option. But I would do that now. Like that's you know, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good really good question, Carlos. If I can talk, um, and yeah, it's something that's come up with colleagues and and you know supervision groups and consultations I've been in. Um, yeah. Cool. Oh, sorry, I just yawned. All you the did <laughs> yawned on the air. Like, oh my god! You sound like Rocky now, man. Yeah. I know. Surprisingly, he's been quiet. Um. Anyway, so no, that was that was. I like those answers. And for those who don't know, just because of the reference just now, um, Rocky is uh, one of our dogs, and sometimes he <laughs> is nearby during the podcast. But uh, he's a older man, and he will make um, grunting noises, and he you know can be a little needy sometimes. Yes. Uh, but he's been good today, so that's. Now, what mo? He's a big baby. He is a baby. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. I was just gonna say, like, I I appreciate those answers because they shed a lot of light mm-hmm. on that. Um, but we'll take a quick break okay. and then we'll come back and pick up on maybe Emma's topic. Oh, okay. Yeah, that works. Cool. All right, so I'm gonna we're gonna bring this back, and actually, Emma, I'm gonna let you pick it up because uh, awesome. you had a topic that you wanted to dive into, which I think is a really yeah. like it's 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 yeah very uh, uh, relevant, and it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to talk about, and I don't know even how much experience you have with this, um, but specific ethical considerations when providing therapy to another counselor. Mm. I guess starting off, have you ever had experience with that? Um, well, in the profession, it's just not allowed. You just you can't just you can't do that. Oh, right. Counselors don't need therapy, right? Right, right. Not. Okay, yeah. Well, yes. um, so, <laughs> side note. Um, so, um, that's a really good question, and um, I've had experience working with other professionals within the medical field. I can say that, right? So it's like, and probably in a few different areas, um, I think including counseling, if I'm, yeah, if I think about it. So yeah, so uh, I have, and it is interesting because I think somebody who is in the profession looking for help, actually, I guess it can look like so many different things from what I've seen and even also what I've experienced as a client, which I don't, I think I've shared this on the air, I don't know, but I've been in therapy myself for like 12 years. So I've seen Mm -hmm. the same person and he's phenomenal um but uh yeah and i and i know for me um i don't know and i I don't know what his experience of that is like but i know for me like i go in uh pretty open in terms of you know what his feedback's gonna be i feel like i'm you know not i don't feel like i'm expecting a lot from him but maybe i am but so i think it depends and i've worked with people who um despite their expertise and despite what i'm you know thinking that they may expect of me um that actually doesn't play out that's just that's just my own imposter syndrome my own projections onto the client and you know they're very content and happy with what i have to present and with what i'm you know uh feedback that i'm giving um but i think there is this concern um this is my long-winded way of getting to uh, i think that there is a concern when we're working with another therapist that they're going to come in and be assessing or judging us for what we're doing because if we follow our imposter syndrome everyone else knows what they're doing but us right so i think there is that sense of 
you know, this person's going to come in and um, they're going to be, uh, you know, very much, uh, they're going to have all these interventions and be very much by the book and they're going to be expecting me to go over these things with them. And the immediate flaw with that, just as a side note, is that if that is the case or were the case, then why are they seeing me? Right. Because in and of itself, that would be unethical, right? Because they're basically trying to tell you how to do your job in in well, the middle of their session. It wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be unethical and and as a client, I mean they can I, mean, I was going to say within reason within parameters. Um, <laughs> they can do whatever they want. Like they're not, you know, they're not bound by HIPAA, they're not, you know. So no, it's like they could come in and I mean I you could get a a, a client who is a therapist who is uh, very uh, judgmental, right? Or very, you know, and certainly you could have that. That's not unethical. They could certainly do that. And you as a therapist need to figure out what to do with that and how to, mm-hmm. how to respond to that, which I think that goes back to why you're bringing this up. I'm like, kind of, what do we do with that? Um, but, I, but I think that is the fear. Honestly, though, I've never encountered that. So when I've worked with people in the field um, and yeah, when I have, I have not encountered that. Um, yeah. Same, I would agree. I've never had a... a client who is also like in the mental health field push back and say like hey you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. um, but yeah 1000 percent, the imposter syndrome is uh it is going strong yeah. it, like in the yeah. initial work especially mm-hmm. um, one unique thing that i had actually had role modeled for me and now i will apply all the time is acknowledging of course it will depend on the involvement in the field mm-hmm. but I'm, like i'm a mental health counselor so if I have a client who is a mental health counselor or a social worker, I know both of those professions need CE credits. Like mm-hmm. they all need continuing ed. Right. Um, if they're in the capital district, you know, Albany is lovingly referred to as small Albany. Mm-hmm. It is a small world. It is especially a small world in the mental health profession in Albany. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we all need CEs and we all need a certain amount of them to be in-person CEs, just like by odds, we're probably going to go to a training together at some point. Mm. Um, So now how do I navigate that? I'm here and there's my client who is also another professional in the field. Like, I, mean, I mean, I know I have thoughts in my own boundaries. I've never thought of that, though. <laughs> I, 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 I've never thought of that. Because like I said, I've worked with, and I'm being vague on purpose, by the way, in terms of what, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying exactly which, but like within fields similar to us, like I have worked with people um, that, yeah, I, I certainly could be in trainings with, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, and I, I have not thought of that. You could be in trainings with them. And then in those trainings, they, they do make groups, right? So oh, they, yeah, you could be in a focus group together yes. with your client and then mm-hmm. and, and actually focus groups not the right word but um what would, what would we call um i don't even know like our groups exactly yes absolutely right yeah how do you adjust that right so i guess the first thing that comes to my mind is well for one i think and this is what you're getting at Emma. i think initially with anybody that that could be the case now i'm thinking i gotta have some conversations um <laughs> anyone that that could be the case with having that conversation with them and saying mm-hmm. you know hey and actually i i will say and this hasn't come up in this context but in a context where uh, i've been working with a client locally and they go oh i'm going to this concert on x date da 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 da, da and i'm sitting there thinking and eh, so am i and in that case i have i, I i've done the same like i i've i've essentially said that I'll, I'll self-disclose and say hey just a just a side note i'm going to be attending the same concert so we may see each other there this is how i handle confidentiality blah 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 so i think in this case that's what i would want to do with this client is that we may attend trainings together that's sort of my you know 
biggest not concern, but expectation is that that might happen. Uh, or we may run into each other in a supervision group or whatever. And if that happens, um, you know, I'm not going to acknowledge that we work together. And um, I think what I would maybe also want to add, but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are with this, and this would be hard, is if that happens, um, well, actually, no, so there's actually two things. One, as a, as a therapist, as this person's therapist, do I remove myself from that? Like, do I do I decide, okay, you know what, I'm going to remove myself from, depending on how intimate it could be, right? Again, if it's right. something where it's like, because I'm thinking if it's a consultation group or supervision group where you're talking about, you know, various issues in therapy with three or four other providers, that's very different than going to a CE, you know, credit training that has 400 people in it or whatever, right. that's, you know. So that would, that would make a difference. So that's a question we can come back to. But but I think I would, at the very least, want to have a plan for, okay, you know, if that is happening, I'm going to do my best to not engage with you as much as possible, only to maintain our frame. It's not personal. It's not because I don't want to work with you. It's not because I, you know, in another universe would be happy to work with you in that in that context, but we're not in that context. And I don't want to breach our frame more than what has to happen, I suppose, or more than what that situation presents. So I would do my best to interact with you as little as possible and in a very discreet way way so that it's not obvious that we have another working relationship um so that's the first thing that comes to my mind but i literally have not thought about this before so that's <laughs> right off the top of my head um so that was a lot i'm gonna step well i feel like that speaks to your own ethical boundaries right like you're immediately jumping to like okay let me pull back and be really clear with the client so right. yay for tim to being ethical <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> um actually enough to be an overachiever but i have one more thought just going off yes. also asking the client what they would like in that situation mm -hmm. what would they be comfortable with you know and would they prefer that you just act like nothing is is happening and you just so if you do end up having to interact you just do you know like or do they want you to avoid them at all costs do they want you to leave like mm -hmm. that would be really so the client input which i'm i totally overlooked but like that would mm -hmm. be i think really crucial mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah no i'm just saying Essentially, like, honestly, that's how I handle it. I acknowledge that, like, hey, this isn't relevant right now, because as far as I know, I don't think there are any in-person things going on right now. No. Um, but <laughs> in the future, it's going to happen. And decide um, if there are CE groups happening in person right now, you should not attend those, and you should go yeah. in the other direction and find other CE groups. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> to that yeah i miss the free lunches too but not worth it if, if there are providers willing to do that there's a problem like that's <laughs> they are not providers you want to work with sorry I, judgment there but it is what it is anyway a valid judgment in my book <laughs> uh, but essentially i do the same thing where it's kind of like hey this is how i generally will react because i feel like you know with a a, a hypothetical client who is not involved in the mental health field at all um like as a professional part of my boundary setting is like hey if i see you in public i'm not gonna really acknowledge you um right i will you know if i make eye contact with any human being regardless of whether they are my client or not i will generally smile at them just because i i don't know it's automatic mm -hmm. um so i will honestly will generally like highlight that for a client like, hey, if I see you and we make eye contact or something, I just give a small smile because that's what I do to everybody. Yeah. Um, and I make it very clear that, like, hey, I will not initiate conversation with you. Mm. And it's, like, point blank, period. I don't give any leeway for, like, 
uh, maybe I'll say hi if you seem to be alone. No, I will not say hi. Um, <laughs> but then I also make it very clear, you know, if you want to say hey and just like wave, I'll wave back. If you mm. want to chat for a second, I'll totally chat. You know, I just very much make it clear that like this is up to your comfort. And if you want to just like pretend you don't know me, cool. Yeah. Uh, like it's, that's fine. That's great. Um, other setting would be inaccurate if I'm going to be at a CE with somebody because my sense is that would make it seem even more stilted. So we get grouped together for a breakaway group and I consistently orient myself away from this one member of the group. Like, no, I right. that would make it very obvious like there's something here. So I will at least acknowledge, you know, if somehow we end up in a break like in a group together. Um my inclination would be to like treat you as if I'm meeting you for the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. as a, another professional in the field. Uh, I would, of course, make no reference to whether or not we work together, um, like in any way. And then I'll kind of get the read of like, how does that sit with you? Like, does that mm-hmm. feel about right? And like in general, yeah, that's pretty much what people kind of want. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's so important to create that space and acknowledge it. Um, even if it's just, you know, even if you don't do it in the first session, but they make some comments about CEs and you suddenly have that moment of like, oh my gosh, I have CEs I have to deal with. Maybe we should chat about that. Yeah. Um, I feel like it has to come up at some point. Because mm-hmm. uh, it is like this weird, not weird, but it's, it's a very unique kind of dual relationship. Hmm. It is. It is. Which I guess in a way can feel good. <laughs> yeah. I have a few thoughts, but do you have anything you want to add, Carlos? Uh, no, I, what I'm going to add will probably change the subject. So. Okay. Well, no, and, and, I, and probably, like, yeah, I think probably the last thing I'll add is, is I think coming from this as a client working with a therapist, I'm trying to think, again, if, if like, some of this has come up in, in that case, and it's something where... So like, again, here's, a, here's another good example, right? And working with my therapist, and I've thought about this, I would um, be mindful of or on the lookout for clients that have worked with our practice or worked with me or and then somehow end up working with him. So shared clients, shared customers, oh, yeah. so to speak, right? It's like, so that that's another, so like that's coming up for me just as we're talking about this because Ooh. again, as a client working with a therapist, I thought of that. I've been like, huh, I wonder like... And actually, I, I've, I thought about this a few times. Like, well, I wonder if, like, if that did happen, what what would we do? Like, how do we handle that? And I've never actually addressed it. I've never even brought it up. You know, my therapist hasn't brought it up, which is totally fine. But, like, it just hasn't come up. But, again, it's another question of, like, and especially when we live in a small community like this, and that presents its own ethical challenges. Um, we could probably spend a whole podcast on that. But um, that, yeah. So I, that's another thing that comes up. So I, I'm curious as to what thoughts are with that. I'm just throwing it out there. My initial thought is like, oh my gosh, I didn't think of that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, man, that could get so complicated. Especially if it's like, oh, hey, I want to refer this client to. Or like, oh, that could get weird. Well, especially, well, he, so that's the thing, right? So, I mean, in that case, I know for me, like, I would just never do that as a therapist. Like, I, I know what I even oh, I would never refer any of like a yeah. person to one of my clients. No, no, no. But I'm even um, thinking if they work at an agency or something where like, you know, you have a client. I guess I'm thinking of like the overlap of substance use and mental health. Right. If somebody works in a uh, substance use facility and they're also my client, um, this is totally hypothetical. And then I have 
another client who starts struggling with substance use and has to go to this facility for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's out of my control, but they get sent to this facility. And now I'm trying to coordinate with the therapist in this facility. And lo and behold, it's like my client. Right. Okay. Sometimes one of my hobbies apparently is to project all of the terrible ways that I can get in contact with the client, by the way. Like, you really do. Yeah. When I was getting married, I remember thinking like, okay, I know that I've had, like, I know of clients who go work in catering. And what if my caterer has clients that are working? And like, <laughs> My wedding was stressful just because I had a contingency plan for if a client was present. Uh, like, it's a, my brain is a really interesting thing sometimes. <laughs> it's uh, not a bad thing. I mean, that's, but again, small area. Like, that's yeah. very possible. That could have happened. Yeah. 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 I think part of it is I've had enough experiences where I'm just, like, living my life, doing my thing, and suddenly walking practically smack dab into a client where it's like, <laughs> Well, yeah, right. Let's yeah. navigate this. <laughs> so it's uh, definitely taught me to consider the possibilities, I guess. Um, huh. Yeah, that, that I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole now. <laughs> um, that keeps reminding me of something else. I don't know if you guys are done or um well i want to be careful of our time too because right. we have time constraints um yeah so i guess the last thing i'll add to it is i think again this is one of those things where within a small community we have to expect certain things will happen and mm-hmm. actually i meant to add this note and i forgot until just now when we were talking about um in terms of um uh, what was the piece that we were just on Oh, and talking about family counseling and talking about, you know, having more than one client within a family or within a couple. It's one of those things where when you're in a small community, it's like that's also something that can just happen where it's like, oh, so-and-so's brother reaches out and doesn't realize. Or actually what's even more common is they're friends and they know each other. And I've had that happen. And if especially if you're then the only one competent in that thing or the one, you know, only competent in that thing that you know of how do you do that? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to refer out. How do you, so that can happen. And I think it's the same thing with this. It's like, you know, if you and your therapist are both working within the small community and I'm lucky that my therapist is out in Rochester, so I almost never have to worry about this, but if that wasn't the case and that happened again, that, that happens. Um, and the only way that, again, actually it's one of those things too, where I think in a lot of cases it wouldn't probably be known. It wouldn't, Exactly. again, the client's not going to know you're not going to, you know, share because of HIPAA, your therapist is not going to share because of HIPAA. So it's one of those things where I think be really unlikely to be known anyway. And it's one of those things where it's like, again, I hope this makes sense, but kind of better not known. It's like, I'd rather not 100%. be aware of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I would add to that. Give another. Um, what I wanted to mention um, kind of relates to that, where it's just, it's on the same spectrum, I guess. Um, but it's when, like, a counselor who is, like, actively dating, like, uh, if, if yes. they're, they're dating or whatever, they're not dating the client, but the client wants to bring in, like, their son or their brother or their sister or whatever, and they bring them in, and that person tends is uh, the person who the therapist is who they're seeing that like how do you navigate that that's that's weird mm, yeah because <laughs> they're not well, a nightmare i could have <laughs> i mean it wouldn't be relevant to me but wow 
Well, first and foremost, at the end of the day, it's a problem because well, it was problem for many reasons, but it's a, it's a problem because um, similar with clients, you can't date a client's family, right? Like that's right. like so. Once you find that out, you do have a big. You do, I say it's not a big problem, but you have an issue because, um, yeah, because you, that, that's not sustainable. You can't keep it that way. There's no. I would argue there's no like informed consent with that. There's no like something has to shift. <laughs> something has to, to change. And because of your profession, I would make the argument that you probably not probably I think you are left with no choice but to cease dating that person. Right. As crappy as that might feel or be, um, because the other option is you stop seeing that client. But now you have been seeing them so now they're a former client so there's that right so then you know how do you that that person hold that and the person that you see how do you all hold that and then also is that in the best interest of the client to terminate because of that and so yeah that would get weird so i think once that's realized certainly there being a conversation but along with that conversation it would have to stop there's just no other way around it in in my view yeah no no that makes sense and it just sucks for people who are dating i think oh it does yeah it does yeah especially in albany because like you said Mm -hmm. it's small but like it does everyone knows everyone here yes so i can see that happening a lot oh yeah i remember actually being at a friend's house um i wasn't i was dating my husband um but my friend was kind of like trying to meet people and there was a bunch of us over and she kind of said like oh i'm gonna have some guys i met on tinder come over and at first i was like oh yeah that's cool like that's not like good for you um and then as like she's like okay they're heading over i suddenly has had this thought of just like oh gosh what if it's like one of my clients because at this point now i'm here just in my casual setting and it was just kind of like yeah no i would have to leave like i you know it wasn't a question of like can i stay how long can i stay but it was just kind of like oh i i don't even want to have to navigate that right um and even in that brief moment, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah. I am so glad that I am not trying to navigate dating yeah. while also, because it was when I was in grad school. So we were all in training to be counselors, all of us had our internships and everything. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, oh, no, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. It's something where I had a colleague who um, I had a colleague who started working with a client, and the colleague figured out that they had actually had um, dated slash had sexual relations with this person prior. Like never, like obviously as they were seeing them, but realized it in like session two or three, and they were like, "I feel like I know this person, but I'm not sure from where." And it was session two or three, and it, and it clicked. The clients that they were no, seeing? no, no, no. The client, the client didn't realize it. The, the call, my colleague realized. No, oh no, wait, no. I've no. seen I've seen this person in the past. He he had seen this person in the past. Yeah. Like not. Wait. What, what were you thinking? No, but yes, no, I'm saying. Yes, like, Carlos. The counselor had relationship with, with the, the client. client, and they didn't know until like session two or three. Yes. And the client didn't know either. Like they didn't remember. Exactly. Oh yes. my god. Yes. So, but that can happen. That can happen. I, it yeah. can happen where you know yes. you're talking to someone online and you don't realize it. You know, you don't recognize a picture or you don't have a picture, whatever. And then you, you know, it happens. It's yeah. happened. I've had it happen to clients. I've 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 had it happen to uh, not clients. Sorry. Uh, colleagues it's uh, but this particular colleague he was mortified he was like and i remember him talking to another colleague and just them talking about it and him just being mortified about it and at the time and i had just like started practicing like i was i was new to like a private practice setting and i was like oh my gosh like you know if that ever happened to me think you know it was with carlos then i'm with him now so 
I'm, yeah. I'm really worried about that. But that, yeah, that if I were in a situation where I had to worry about that, I'm mortified. And then, like, I thought more about it. And just over time, I've learned, like, no, but that sort of thing can happen. And when it does, I think what matters is that when you realize it, what do you do then? Right. Like, that's the point. Because, like, that's just, that's going to happen. Right. And, and, and also document it, right? Document that, hey, this happened for, and I realized at this point, and once I did, this was my action plan. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, I think, the best you can do. I mean, it's like, again, it's especially within this area, this is a good example, but in a lot of areas where it is, you know, oh, yeah. it's just not very large, it's not a lot of people, um, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I definitely want to dive into it when you think you recognize a client. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why do I know you? Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. And, and this person, they, they referred them out and they didn't even. So that's the other thing. It's like, you know, how do you. And I think, again, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm pretty sure that it, it, this colleague didn't reveal that to the client. They just basically mm-hmm. said, no, I'm, you know, unfortunately, you know, I'm not able to work with you because of the specialty, whatever, like they had another reason and said they would be a better fit with someone else, found someone else and referred them. Yep. Um, yeah, because at the end of the day, when the ethics come into play with that, there's also the huge ethical requirement of not harming a client in the transition out. Like, yes, right. totally appropriate to transition them out without shaming them or right. making them the problem. Yeah. Kind of an idea. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's not their quote-unquote fault. You know, yeah. like doing it in a very client-centered and affirming way absolutely absolutely and it definitely isn't like it's just and it, i would argue it's neither it's neither no, fault no. you know it's just like that's just this is how it played out but if a therapist did try to make that work for some reason or try to i mean and again i, and I could see this on this is again important when we talk about ethics because i could see a provider trying to sort that out with a client i could see them like trying to you know I, again but hey this happened in our past but we're gonna forget about that that never happened okay right. i'm now your therapist and yeah and just, <laughs> oh, the kind of position, and just the kind of position that that puts the client in, like oh my god like mm-hmm. it's just so many things right it's just and that's yeah that situation is just yeah. best to yeah. just you know yeah. have them meet with someone else that's yeah yeah. So yeah, no, there's a whole yes. can of worms, Carlos. That yeah, you're open with that. That's yeah. Ultimately, one of the the biggest um, resources that we have is going to the ethics code. Like I know in my mm-hmm. practice, there have been times where I'm like, okay, this here's this thing that's happening. Well, what are the ethics on it? Let me go refresh my memory because we, as counselors, we will not be able to memorize the whole code. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wordy. Um, and some of the things at first aren't relevant until like a later point. Um, so we're only going to remember what's most relevant. So go back to the code, reread it, check it out. Luckily it is at least easy to navigate. Um, and like use it. It is a tool that is there for therapists. Uh, and I know like, I know ACA has it. I assume like APA and the, I forget what the social work acronym is, but them oh, too. I used to know, but yeah, they have their own. Uh, yeah. Like I can't even remember. Every, but every set of credentials has their own. I think that that's, exactly yeah. like they're going to have some kind of a, an ethics line or an ethics department and contact them. Hmm. If you're really unsure and you're not getting a clear enough answer from the, the ethical guidelines, contact them. It's, it's one of those things you don't want to be it's like better to be safe than sorry you don't want to be asking for forgiveness after it happens because by then somebody's already been harmed yes exactly absolutely 
Absolutely. Referring back to the ethics, going back to the to the basics in terms of what whatever that manual you're going off of, and consulting with others like that will that will save you. Like that's yeah, yeah. yep, yeah, absolutely. I like that we kind of just wrapped that up. Like that was a very like oh, uh, top man. Yeah. A bing, bada, boom. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. We're like professionals with this. <laughs> any additional final thoughts before we end today's episode? Do you guys have any final thoughts for therapists navigating ethical dilemmas? I feel like I just no, what I just, just said is my off. final thought. Like that's yeah. it. Like those are like the two key like it is it's so rare in therapy that there's like two like or like any like just do this or just like but with this yep. it really is like yeah. It's like nope. black and black black and white. Like yes. this yeah. is how it goes. There's, there's a, no gray area. There, there, there are clear there. ways to, to lower your risk and to improve your, your work with clients. Yep. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I will have us end. Um, yeah. And then we will follow up. We'll uh, follow up in about a week. Yeah, I think our next episode. Oh no, maybe I think that's the episode after next. You're getting ahead of. Yeah, you're getting. Oh, you're getting ahead yeah. of us. You guys are fine. You're just yes. <laughs> We're going to have a special guest on our podcast, which yeah. we will reveal very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited to have her. But um, yes, we will come back to that. Yeah, we'll reveal that next episode for the episode afterwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you both for joining. And Thank you. Yeah. And we will follow up next week. Bye.